Amen. You got your Bibles uh, this morning. Let's open them back up to Matthew chapter 6. We'll complete Matthew chapter 6 today as we've been walking through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, looking at this, the longest teaching of Jesus in the New Testament. We have what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. What Jesus is doing is, is he's preparing his disciples as they are about to begin a ministry like they've never experienced before. Jesus is hoping to prepare them for the world that they are walking into. We've kind of titled this the Sermon on the Mount, but, but even more than that, living as a Christian in an unchristian world because that's what Jesus was preparing his disciples to do. He understood uh, that there would be difficulty, danger, distress, and, and as he understood those things, he wanted to prepare his disciples as they were about to go into the world. Jesus' first disciples that he's teaching and. 5, 6, and 7 are really no different than us as his disciples would battle this laying up treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven. So we battle that same thing in our life. As we struggle with how to pray to God, so his disciples struggled to pray with God. And so Jesus is preparing them to live in the world in which they are going to face. Today is like all others. Jesus is going to teach his disciples about having anxiety or worry in our hearts recognizing that these disciples would face that very thing in their life. They would be anxious about the next day, as we are at times anxious about the next day. They would worry about their circumstances, as we are often worry about worrying about our circumstances. We all recognize the anxiety that exists as a result of living in a world that is unchristian. We don't have to spend very much time watching television or scrolling through social media to know that what's going on in our world, even in this day, can cause us anxiety. Now, you may be like me. The, the reason that you have anxiety and worry is because you want to try to fix every problem that you see. You want to try to solve every problem that you hear. And Jesus helps us to see and understand that 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 is not our role. It's not our responsibility to fix all the problems. Instead, it's our responsibility to trust in our God. As we grow anxious in the realization that, that we can't fix or repair or control all of our circumstances around us, what it should do is it should remind us of what Jesus has already taught us, that it is not our will that is to be accomplished in this life, but it is the will of the Father. That's why Jesus taught us, as he taught us how to pray, that we should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he said what? Your kingdom come, your will be done. You see, Jesus has already set the stage for this discussion beginning in verse 25. As he told us, and we looked at last week, that our anxiety should not be on the things of this earth. We should lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven, We shouldn't be worried about the physical nature of this world, but instead be kingdom-minded. And these two lessons that have just been over the last couple of weeks, they will prepare us for what Jesus is going to begin teaching us in verse 25. And that's why Jesus says the first word in verse 25, therefore. Because everything he has said before is going to lead us to this point to encourage us to live our lives without any anxiety or worry. So let's look at what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? 
and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, as we recognize ourselves, Lord, as disciples of Jesus, and no different, God, than these men who sat on that hillside, we, like them, Lord, face anxiety and worries in our lives. And God, we pray today that you would help us by this teaching of Jesus, Lord, to place our trust in your sovereignty, Lord, to depend upon your provision and your priorities in our lives, so as to rid, Lord, our hearts of anxiety and worry in this life. God, we recognize that we're in a place, Lord, as a people, we are more anxious than ever before. Where people in our world, Lord, are more anxious than ever before. In our nation, God, we are anxious about our tomorrow. God, we're anxious about the difficulty and the distress that we see all around us. And God, I pray that you would use this passage of Scripture to teach us as Christians how we're supposed to live in the midst of all of this unchristian actions and attitudes. Remove from our hearts, Lord, as a result of this reading of your word, our worry that we have. Teach us, God. Let your Holy Spirit convict us, Lord. We pray and ask this in the name of the only one that can help. That's Jesus. Amen. I want to be clear at the front. I I recognize that there are there are medical chemical imbalances that cause some people to have overwhelming anxiety. Kevin Metter often reminds me that though I am a doctor, I'm not the kind that can help anybody. And a lot of times we need to be reminded of that. I'm not that kind of doctor. I recognize that there are physical ailments that people have that go beyond this teaching that we're going to get this morning. I'm not offering you any medical advice, obviously, but I'm telling you that it seems as if Jesus is pointing to these disciples and he's warning them of the potential sin that might exist in their hearts that would cause them to have anxiety and worry. And sometimes it is in my life that what's causing the anxiety and the worry in my heart, it's really a sin. It's a sin of not depending upon the power of God. It's a sin by not depending and understanding His sovereignty and His care for he, that He has for me. And that's the first thing I want to recognize as we look at this passage. 
But we need to properly understand God's sovereignty. I'm not going to read again to you verses 25 through 31. You heard it. You've heard it all before. What Jesus is teaching his disciples there in verses 25 through 31 is that we should not concern ourselves with these basic necessities of life. Now, we know that Jesus is not giving us a lecture here on the, the nature of birds, and he's not giving us a lecture on how to properly garden lilies. What he's telling us is, is if I care for them, the bird and the lily, how much more do you think that I care for you? You see, Jesus gives us these two examples of the birds and the lilies to command us that we ought not worry about these very basic necessities of life, that he is able to care for us. But not only is he able to care for us, but he willingly cares for us. As he willingly sees that the birds have food to eat and that the lilies are arrayed in beauty, so he is willing to care for us as well. As I thought about this and this picture that Jesus is giving us, and especially those disciples that were sitting on that hillside and listening to Jesus that day, I wondered which one of those disciples was most like me. Which one of those disciples was the worrier in the group? Which one was the one that had the most anxiety? And as we often do, we're going to pick on Peter a little bit this morning because I think if we'll look at the biblical the biblical story of Peter, we'll see that he was like us. He, he had anxiety in his heart. He worried about the things of the Lord. We know the greatest example probably comes from Matthew chapter 14 when Peter is uh, put upon that water and as he began to walk toward Jesus, you remember what happened? He saw waves and he, he considered the depth of that water and he began to grow anxious and his faith began to falter a little bit. But also Peter, he, he was concerned one time with Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 whenever he told Jesus, Jesus, I don't think you understand how important it is that you pay taxes. You said Peter was worried that Jesus wasn't going to do what was right. Why would Peter worry about that? At one point, Peter was worried about who was going to be the one that betrayed Jesus in John chapter 13. Peter was worried about the experience that Jesus was going to walk through. He was concerned about the suffering that Jesus might experience, so much so that Jesus looked to Peter and said, Peter, get behind me. Stop worrying about this. You see, it seems to me that Peter was much like John. Peter was one who worried about things he couldn't control. He was anxious about things that were none of his business. But what's also beautiful about Peter is Peter is the one that after he matures in his faith, he writes a letter, his first epistle in chapter 5 and verse 7. It's Peter who gives us that verse that we love to quote so much. And Peter says, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, at some point in Peter's life, he came to the realization that he had to be totally dependent upon the sovereignty and the care of God, so much so that he would be able to take all of his anxiety and his worries and he would be able to lay them on the burden of Jesus to remove them from himself. Peter learned what we all must learn and what Jesus is teaching his disciples here. And it is that not only does God make the claim that he cares for us, but he is able to care for us. He is able to meet all of our needs, and he chooses to do so. You see, we, 
we've got to trust in the sovereignty of God if we're going to live our lives as Christians in an unchristian world, and if our life is not going to be dominated by worry and anxiety, we have to believe in the sovereignty of our Lord. This is what Jesus is saying. Look to the air. Consider the birds. Look to the fields and consider the lilies. If I care for them, how much more... Will I be sovereign over your life and be assured that you too are cared for? This properly understanding the sovereignty of God, it's a question of faith really for us. Do we really believe that God is able to do that which he has promised us that he will do? It's why Jesus says in this statement, Oh, you of little faith. We have to trust God more. We have to place our faith in Him more, understanding that His sovereignty is demanding that He cares for those that He has created. Properly understanding God's sovereignty is the first thing I think Jesus is teaching those disciples on that hillside that day. The second thing that's, that Jesus teaches them is that they need to properly place their priorities. Look at verse 32 and 33. He says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. The encouragement from Jesus here is for us to set our priorities in order, and then apparently our worries and our anxieties will begin to fade. Jesus is reminding us, I think, as he uses this phrase, kingdom of God, he's reminding us back to that teaching again of his, his, to his disciples about how they ought to pray. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Or for us to be kingdom-minded, for us to have kingdom eyes in that passage of Scripture that we looked at last week. And these kingdom eyes and this kingdom prayer should naturally lead us to consider placing our priorities on the things of the Lord and not the things of our own pursuit. You know, if you look here, Jesus does something that I imagine for those disciples was discouraging. He tells them, don't have these anxieties and these worries. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about these things as he's looking to those disciples. And then he says, for the Gentiles seek after these things the Gentiles seek after these things you see what Jesus is doing he's contrasting the Gentiles with those who claim to be his disciples he's helping them see that the Gentiles or your scripture might say and we might say the pagans you see pagans are the ones that place their priorities on the things of this earth it's the pagan who strives anxiously in life about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to wear, but not the disciple of the Lord because they know the sovereignty of God. But these pagans, they don't know that God is going to care for them. They don't know that he's going to clothe them like he does the lily in the field or provide for them to eat like he does the bird in the air. He says only the pagans worry about those things. Those are pursuits of pagans and not pursuits of disciples. Contrasting this life of the disciple with this life of the Gentile, or we might say contrasting the priorities of the pagan with the supposed priorities of the disciple. Yes, our priorities are supposed to be different than the pagan. 
And it seems that Jesus is saying here to us as disciples that we should take our eyes off the pressures and the concerns that are worldly and place them on the things that are otherworldly or the kingdom. And if we do so, we will be able to relieve much of the anxiety and the worry that comes upon us. Jesus does not want his disciples to be anxiously wringing their hands considering if God is able to do what he's promised us. So he says, not only don't do it, he gives us how we aren't to do it. Look at verse 33. How do you do it, Lord? How do we not be like the Gentiles? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, he says, this is how you combat those misplaced priorities in your life. Plainly, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and I'm going to add all of these things to you. You see, just as we've talked about last week about becoming kingdom eyes, it's the same principle for our anxiety and our worries. It seems that Jesus is telling us that if we will simply place our priorities on the things of his kingdom and not on our own, that we will find peace there and we will be released from all of these anxieties and worries that the world has put upon us. Trust in the sovereignty of God. Properly place your priorities. And finally, you, you don't need to be reminded of this maybe, but we need to thirdly be reminded that God's going to provide or properly understand his provision. Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's enough trouble for tomorrow, tomorrow. And there's enough trouble for today, today. God is saying that tomorrow there will be enough worry. Let it worry on its proper and appropriate day. Today, deal with the things that you're going to walk through today. You know, what if, what if in our lives God only provided enough provision for the day that we were on? What if God's promise for us was only to give us enough to get through this day? We would be like the Israelites. You remember when the Israelites were in the wilderness? They were wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience against God. And as they were wandering in the wilderness, God provided for them. You remember? But he only provided enough for them for that day. Manna came from heaven, and the Israelites consumed the manna. Scripture tells us that if they tried to take two days' worth, if they tried to take enough for today and, and enough for tomorrow as well, before the sun rose on the next day, the extra manna that they had taken would be ruined. Because God was giving them enough manna only for that day, enough provision only for that day. See, the Lord has promised us, just as he promised the Israelites in the wilderness. He's going to give us everything that we need through this day. We really ought to take, as we often say, or as we have sung in the past, we truly ought to be able to take one day at a time. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
If you're going to handle your anxiety and your worry of your life, you're only going to be able to take one day at a time. There's only enough of us to be able to handle the worry of one day at a time. When we begin to let the worries of days that are to come upon our heart on this day, we will fold underneath the anxiety and the worship. You know, some of us are pessimistic people, and I say us. Some of us are pessimistic people. We never see the glass half full. That makes no sense to a lot of us. We know it once it was full and no longer it is, so it is half empty. A lot of us see life that way. We are, we are a pessimistic people. And so when we watch the news or when we scroll through social media or when we see things around us, our natural inclination is to go towards doomsday. We can create scenarios in our mind that would blow you away if you're an optimist. Some of you have no idea how us pessimists create doomsday scenarios in our minds, things that never, ever will happen. And what Jesus is saying here is why are you trying to figure out what I'm going to do three days, or we might say early November, why are you trying to figure out what I'm trying to handle? Can you change one day of your life? Has anyone, Jesus says, as a result of being a worrier or anxious, have you added a single day to your life? The answer, obviously, is no. You see, as American Christians living in the midst of what is, we recognize a very unchristian world. We need to hear this message that we need to live for today. Let's do all that we can to make a gospel difference today and hand everything else over to the provision of the Lord. God, we're going to let you handle what's before us because we trust in your provision. Anytime that we fret over potential doomsday of tomorrow is a wasted opportunity to make much of the Lord and his provision today. This is a sin. It is a sin against God to consider potential doomsday of tomorrow and not celebrate the Lord and His glory in the moment. You see, instead of worshiping, we worry. And that is not appropriate to the Christian sitting on the hillside that Jesus is speaking to. Instead of worshiping, we worry, which in essence is just like what we talked about last week the way that we see money often is idol worship, and so is worry. Oftentimes my worry in my life, my anxiety in my life, is a sin against God because I believe I know better than He does. And I can sort these things out without His help. And instead, He's saying, don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's got enough on its own. Or maybe, let me handle this. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. Let me handle it. Let me handle this. Trust in my provision. Trust in my sovereignty. You worry about kingdom eyes on the kingdom of God. Come this day your kingdom, Lord, and not my own. We live in a world of anxiety. 
we know we know that the world around us seems to be a place where the pessimist can have a party but what Jesus is saying to his disciples is trust in his sovereignty properly place your priorities and understand God is going to provide for you you know I want to give us some real practical applications for this because I think we need it as a people of God I want to give you some real practical applications in how we can handle the anxiety and the worry in our lives the first thing we can do is we need to have a daily dose of his truth if you want to learn more about the sovereignty of God, if you want to be convinced that God really is sovereign over all actions in this world, take a daily, the daily dose of the truth. Read his word, and it will so convince you of who he is. And as it convinces you of who he is, you will be able to trust in his sovereignty above our own decision-making. Take a daily dose of his truth. Secondly, have a daily routine of prayer. What we learn is, is when we begin to pray this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we begin to have a praying life, when we begin to communicate with God on a daily basis, even consistently, what we will learn is, is that our priorities will all of a sudden become his priorities. And as our priorities become his priorities, the anxieties of the worries of our world will fade from us. Have a daily dose of his truth. Have a daily routine of prayer. And finally, have a daily return to praise. I mean this when I say, for every moment, I'm worrying about what God might do or what God should do. I'm turning my heart away from the commandment that he has given to us to worship him. There is but one God. We should not waste our worries we should instead turn it into worship. Praise God. If we will substitute in our life our worries and our anxieties for praise, we will spend all of our days celebrating the goodness of Jesus. We live in an anxious world. So did the disciples. They lived in an anxious world. They knew, they knew that the days before them were possibly going to be difficult and be distressful. So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Trust in my sovereignty. Rearrange your priorities and trust in my provision. God, we live truly in a world filled with anxiety. As a church, God, we're worried about what church is going to look like in six months. We're worried about what church has become. I'm worried about your disciples at First Baptist Union. I'm anxious about their spiritual growth and their spiritual maturity. God, we're anxious as a nation. We're worried about a court appointment. We're worried about an election. We're concerned about January of 2021. God, we're worried about issues in our families. We're anxious, God, about things that are going on in our own lives. And sometimes, God, all of this anxiety and all this worry can overcome us and we can fail to be reminded to worship you. 
And so, God, we ask in this moment of worship that we have in just a moment that you would remind us of your sovereignty. That, God, you would, you would help us to rearrange our priorities, to be otherworldly and not of this world, not worried about what we are going to wear or what we are going to eat or what we are going to drink like the pagans do, but to worry about your kingdom. God, I, I pray, Lord, that we would trust for sufficient manna from heaven for today. And tomorrow we'll wake up and we'll realize again that you've given us enough manna for our worries for tomorrow. You're faithful, God. And we pray that you remind us of this today. As we stand and we worship you, Lord, may you be glorified. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.